Series 2 of the Build Me A Brewery podcast is proudly partnered with Lalamond Brewing to bring you the best commercial brewing information and advice. Lalamond Brewing has been supporting both the home brewing and professional brewing community for decades with high quality products and technical know-how to ensure your beer is the best it can be. Choose Lalamond Brewing because they brew with you. Welcome, you're listening to the Build Me A Brewery podcast. My name is Chris Hayton, your host. A first episode of its kind for the BMAB podcast today, we've decided to roll out a few bite-sized chunk episodes for you all to run alongside the main episode content of Series 2. Put together and led by a great friend of the show, Neil Playfoot, and joined by a special guest and another friend of the show, Sean Astle, who is currently working within the commercial brewing industry here in Oz, both share with the audience everything to do with hops today. More specifically, they dive into unique hop extracts used by pro brewers on the market today, dry hopping techniques, adjunct brewing, and much more. So we'll crack on. I hope you all enjoy the first of many bite-sized style episodes of the Build Me A Brewery podcast. Hey, well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for the introduction. Neil here, and I'm with Sean. And uh, today we're going to speak about hops. So there's two things that we use hops for. One is for bitterness in beer, and then we add aroma, in uh, usually in whirlpool or late hop editions, and then dry hopping. And when we want to use some hops of bittering, usually use um, hops higher in alpha acid and low in cuhomolone, because uh, if it's too high, then you get harsher bitterness. But now I'm finding a lot of brewers are turning to CO2 liquid hop extracts um, because it gives smoother bitterness and also it seems to be a bit more consistent and Sean have you ever used any uh hop extracts yourself yeah I have there's um there's a couple that I've used at a brewery before it's uh from Bath Hass I believe so it's it's tetra hop and iso hop so that I summarized hop extract really really good for use in like sour beers so you can almost do like a faux kettle sour with them so you just cool into fe to, to your to your fermenter and make it be at you know 35 degrees that that typical sort of kettle souring temp pitch some lactic wait for the ph to come down and then you pitch your yeast and your hop extract at the same time hop extract the 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 alpha acids kill the lacto and then the yeast takes over oh wow actually a really really good way of doing it um so you're not having to tie up a kettle for 24 36 hours Okay, so yeah, you, so yeah, you, you're doing that, and then how long are you doing that for before you actually add the, the other yeast in? And um, we'd, we'd, we'd pitch those um, iso alpha acids that, that extract with, uh, with the yeast, and we'd, it depends. Uh, it depends on the size and depends on the pitch rate of your lactic as a your lacto. It's just waiting until pH gets in spec generally, so that kind of 3.2, 3.3, 3.4, however yeah, sour sure. you want it. Sometimes it can be 24 hours, sometimes it can be you know it's typical sort of kettle sour time because if you're using a well insulated vessel it, it holds that 35 degrees surprisingly sure. well yeah, yeah. especially in australia <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i've never actually heard of that technique because i've just been mostly just using those um iud's thermo acid and mm-hmm. then you you pitch that in and then that takes the glucose from the wort and then converts that to lactic acid and then i was 
he's in whatever yeast I want to do and whatever style I was making. But yeah, I'd never even heard of that. So, wow. Yeah, it's I'd never even heard of it before I started before I started at that particular particular brewery. And uh, actually, I, I I really like it. It's something I've tried doing at home. It's just it's a little trickier because we've got you know just single wall stainless steel fermenter at at, at home. So it's not, know, it's not, not very yeah. not very well insulated. But yeah, so those those like liquid CO, liquid CO two hop extracts are are great for that consistency with that product. You know exactly you put this much in, you're going to get this amount of IBUs. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing that's coming out that's a lot more popular. It's still kind of for bittering, but generally hazy beers. If you are using any hops in Whirlpool, cryo hops generally tending to be kind of all the rage at the moment. It's just, it kind of makes sense. You get you get significantly higher alpha acids. You get a lot more of that essential oil content. So you get massive, massive aroma out of them. And you're adding less vegetal matter. So you've got less, you got less trubin things to deal with. It just makes, it just makes a lot of sense. So we've been using those little bit here and there whenever whenever we get a variety in and finding that kind of yields are a little bit higher and things like that it's really it's really interesting yeah i mean i've started to use them a little bit more myself i mean i mean originally as far as i can remember they were developed you know i think with the help of brew dog and they were supposed to use in dry hopping but i'm hearing people use them more in the whirlpool and also people actually using them in hop guns and hop cannons because it just helps with the with the mixing as well yeah. it just seems like they're people are branching out and then find them to use for for other parts of brewing rather than just in the the dry hopping it's um yeah really interesting really interesting stuff and as you say at the end of the day if you're using less you know if you're using less hot vegetable matter and then it just means obviously you're not losing so much beer as well so it's a kind of a win-win and you know the pricing if you're using 60 percent or 50 percent as much you know i mean you're you're not even though they're more expensive it's not carried over into the into oh, it starts to even out for sure so yeah i was thinking about like maybe going on to a bit about like the the whirlpool hops um i'm just wondering like you know with the the brewery you're running out i mean what temperatures do you do you chill down the the wort in the kettle before you add in um, your, for, for things that are hops? really heavily hopped and so a lot of hazy ipas things like that absolutely we just find it tends to add uh, it's it's a nicer it's a nicer kind of smoother hot character, less less prone to less prone to. You, no one likes an overly bitter hazy so, IPA, you know. The New England IPA is kind of that soft, not not, not particularly bitter. It's you know a lot of almost it's almost like a multi like salt pro um, salts profile in there, but with a lot of hops added, so it ends up this nice fluffy mouthfeel and 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 adding. A crazy amount of bitterness to that from doing a hot whirlpool at 100 degrees doesn't really uh, doesn't really jive together. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of different breweries. Some even taking it down to like high 70s, but I've heard most people about around about 85. I mean, that's for me. It's kind of my sweet spot. I don't know what you guys are are doing over there. Yeah, I can speak to I can speak to mine at mine at home more so. Right, right. Yep. And yeah, that's that's what I always try to do. There is is around around about that 80. 85 we'll go 90 sometimes if i'm impatient but you know sticking to process it's yeah it's right about that 85 i mean yeah what kind of loads because a lot of brewers these days they're saying they're lowering the whirlpool additions and then trying for the more in the the dry hopping just to try and you know carry much more of that aroma through to the finished beer i mean but then i'm you know i'm talking to some clients and they're still having quite high hop loads 
in the Whirlpool, are you finding like maybe in Australia, people are tending to go towards less Whirlpool pups and more dry? I added about seven kilos of hops to a Whirlpool today for about 20, it was for, for about 30 odd hack, hectoliters. Okay. Um, okay, so it's not. It's, it's, it's not still, too, too it's high. still, it's not massively high, but it's still pretty, still pretty reasonable. I mean, what, what, what style of beer was that? If you don't mind that was a, that was a, a hazy pale ale, so not an IPA, a hazy pale ale. So that's something that's really gained a lot of popularity here. There's a lot of breweries that have started, that have started doing that. It's just something that's a little bit lower in ABV. It's not as you know, you can sit there and have a couple and not feel too tipsy on a hot summer afternoon. No, I mean, actually, it's probably a good one to to, to kind of go on. I mean, with Hazy IPAs, I speak to many brewers, and I don't know if you have an opinion on this as well. It's like some people don't believe bright transformation exists. I mean, there is not, I've never read any, you know, technical articles that can prove it one way or another. But like, I kind of liken it to, you know, when brewers, when they spun their beer, they say they get like smaller CO2 bubbles and it helps with a better head retention. But if you look in the literature, there's nothing to actually say that that happens. But it's, it's something that every brewer will tell you the same thing. And I kind of think it's probably the same if you want to make a hazy IPA. But putting, a, you know, an early hop addition would, uh, you know, work out really, really well. Yeah, man, brewing's full of dogma and doctrine. You must, you must do this, otherwise it's not, a, it's not this kind of beer. I target flavor profiles and what I want out of the beer so I have your result in mind before before you even create it if doing that early dry hop is something that you've noticed adds something to the flavor profile go ahead and do it right right absolutely i myself have found it to make a difference to mainly not necessarily initial haze but haze stability uh, over time I, i've i've found it i've found it to make a difference it's an area that's super under researched Agreed. I, I think of I think of uh, guys like uh, Dr. Tom Shellhammer in the U.S. Um, doing a hell of a lot of research, um, trying to trying to get others to to do more research. So the more people that are doing research on hops in general, it all adds to this collective body of knowledge for someone to eventually get just that study that everyone's been looking for on biotransformation. Uh, there's actually a great podcast. Um, it's the Brewlosophy guys, so the Brew Lab. Um, he's okay. got he's got an episode with Dr. Tom Tom Shellhammer on it, um, and he talks about things. Uh, I, I can't remember if he touches on biotransformation, but he talks about his, you know his paper on the theory that there's a dry hop. It's not uh, the name of the paper. I think was a saturation point. It's not necessarily a saturation point, but it's like a point where you, in grams per liter that you reach a point of diminishing returns. Like you put so much more in, and you get limited amount back out for the for, for the same amount that you'd put in. So he reckoned that they started seeing those diminishing returns around the eight to 10 grams a liter. And you do get more flavor out of adding a lot more, but this, you know, you don't get as much flavor for the same amount that you'd add. So, you know, adding, adding five to 10, you know, going up from five grams a liter to 10 grams a liter is a bigger difference than going from 10 to 15 kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, I've read that. I've read that myself. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, as you say, Dr. Tom Shahama, he's done, a lot for 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 hops and um if anybody's listening then there's also scott janish as well oh um, his book, that book yeah, yep. absolutely yeah the new yep. ipa yep. it's called yeah i mean yes some of the, the some of the stuff again what he was saying and um yeah he was he did stuff with, have you heard of stuff with like oat milk now is no. putting yeah you put you 
you can actually put oatmeal into the into like some of your hazes and it actually brings out some other flavors so recently i we started a new brand called uh, fluffy monsters and uh, it's yeah four core hazy beers and so we we decided yeah we might as well just do this um yeah use this oat milk so yeah we did like one it's quite expensive so you can actually make it yourself so literally you you can put like your oats and your water into a muslin bag leave it for a while and then squeeze it out and you end up with this oat milk and it, it were all it brings out some really interesting other notes um like vanilla or then it can change the the you know the aroma profile and we started to get lots of green mango depending which type of hot wow. we were using as, as well i definitely recommend if you can go and pick up some some oat milk like a liter of it and then you can play around with small quantities it's definitely changes it up and then obviously at the same time with that oat milk it will smooth it out as well so you're, you're putting it post-fermentation with your finished beer Wow. And, so um, yeah, that is, is there any, is there any effect on like head retention and things like that? Cause you're essentially adding lipids, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it, it is a little bit, but I mean, we're only, we're only doing this for, cause the Fluffy Monster brand has only been going for about a couple of months now. And then mm-hmm. these were, we're doing some light activation events. So this was like literally like 20 liter corny kegs that we were, we were doing in it. So it's, it's really new stuff to us. And how much would you add to a 20 liter corny? Well, you can add you can add between five hundred mils and a, and a liter, but you can just just do just do like bench testing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get a like a three hundred mls, add so much, and then you kind of scale it up to, to what you like. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of you know if you if you're there with your brewing team, and you've got a bit of spare time. It's actually fun to do some century on that. It's um, That's and it's cool. easy for for home brewers to do as well. You know what I mean? If if, if or any kind of brewer really, it's just it's it's quite a quick thing, and it's it's easy enough to do because um, yeah, right. i mean yeah i mean i because we do a lot of stuff with um like work splitting so we'll take the same word and we play around with it and we'll do that with hops as well mm-hmm. so if we're making a two and a half thousand liter brew we might split off 300 liters or 500 liters and that will give us the quickest time to you know to to play around with different hops and then dial in different hop profiles and um you know and then makes it quicker to find the beer what we like you know so we're starting this this new brand that's cool that's two cool learns from from this already is the is the 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 folk <laughs> kettle souring and, and the oat milk and a, you know, oat milk ipa that sounds well, really you know, really if, cool <laughs> if we, we might have set the bar too high so if we do some subsequent episodes we might have to try and find a way to live up to it <laughs> oh very cool leave it yeah so i uh, maybe sure we can just go on to um dry hopping for me i have my my own kind of belief i like to dry hop usually one one and a half plato before my predicted terminal gravity a mm-hmm. i like to put it in because then i feel like i'm still going to get a little bit of a, a mix up you know it's actually going to go you know a little bit of turbulence once you add that load obviously fingers crossed you don't get a um you don't get a uh, hop volcano so um, that's why a lot of people end up going with um, hop cannons. And also, I just feel like, obviously, less chance of dry hop creep after you've done it in terminal because there's still a little bit of the fermentation to, to go. Um, I mean, the, the only issue is that depending on your, the temperature of your fermentation, it might be a bit on the warm side. And there's arguments that you can start to get some of those vegetable, vegetable flavors, I'm sorry, aromas that you don't particularly want. So, you know, there's always... You know, there's always a bit of give and take, whichever process you like to use. But I just feel like that gives me a more consistent way of doing it if I did it just slightly before 
terminal. I mean, what's your thoughts and which method do you prefer? I like doing it at terminal when it's, you know, past a VDK test. I think in terms of consistency, it's a point that I, I really like consistency in a process. So I, I like doing, you know, if I'm doing a biotransformation trans, hop, I'll do it at yeast pitch because it's the only time that, you know, you know that the gravity yep. is going to be at this every single time. Um, yep. Do it at the end of ferment because you know the gravity is going to be at this every single time. It's kind of a very predictable way to do it. And you're right. The only the only downside to that is that it then just settles and falls to the bottom of the tank. You can get around that by just attaching the CO2 hose to the, the bottom dump valve and kind yep. of rousing that in through the tank. Um, that provides enough kind of turbulence. You, you know, you, you give that 10 seconds every yep. half hour or so for a little while, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide a lot of, lot of good turbulence for it. I definitely agree with, in terms of trying to keep this brief, definitely agree with adding vegetal flavors if you're doing it kind of too warm. Um, so yep. I, I usually, you know, we, we usually, the brewery I work at, we usually chill uh, a little bit before doing uh, dry hops, especially of heavily dry hop beers. Just so, yeah. so that's not that's not a thing. We found that we've had less issues with differences in flavor and um, changes once it's packaged and things like that um, by sure. dry hopping that little bit cooler. So, I mean, can you tell what temperature do you usually are you usually dropping it to? We're usually dropping it from from ferment temp to you know fourteen to sixteen. Kind of depends on yep. the beer a little bit. Yeah, that that kind of almost almost upper end of lager temp. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think. We've done pretty well. I think we've covered bittering, whirlpool, and dry hopping, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I think it went pretty well for a first one, mate. I think it did, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's it for now. And uh, yeah, I think that covers the first ever episode. Hopefully, it's going to be the first of more. And uh, Sean, man, it's been a it's been a real pleasure, and I hope we can do this again sometime. No worries. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Chris. I think we're, we're probably going on about 20 minutes of audio right now. So yeah. it, it is never the how short you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, uh, to, yeah. sorry to add to your editing work, mate. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. It's I did bloody <laughs> bespoke brewings episode and Koenig. Koenig was like a now of 45. I'm like, oh. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> I might as well send it off to Paramount Pictures to fucking edit. <laughs> <laughs>